You know, across the globe, the church is celebrating the risen Lord. And it's worth celebrating. It's worth celebrating because without the resurrection, we are still dead in our sins. And when we die, we won't rise again. Look, if the Father couldn't resurrect Jesus, then he won't be able to resurrect us. This is why the resurrection is so important. It's because without our faith hinges on the resurrection. You know, people, uh, there are apologists that talk about evidences and proofs for why they believe Jesus rose from the dead. You can talk about there were 500 people who saw him, 500 witnesses who saw him after he died, was in the grave, and then he was walking around. If you had 500 people that witnessed something, then you could probably be pretty certain about it. There's other ones, but if somebody were to ask me, say, Josh, how do you know that Jesus rose from the dead? This is what I would say. I'd say, I know Jesus rose from the dead from a, because a long time ago, he rose my life from the dead. And every time I fall down, he raises me up again. I've never met anyone or known anything that could keep a life together the way that Jesus can. You can't get to a certain place in your career. You can't get into a certain income bracket, tax bracket. You can't find the right person or have enough kids or have the perfect marriage to get to a place where you said, okay, I'm secure. Then I don't have to worry about it. No, you're going to always have to worry because everything on earth is imperfect. But we know that Jesus is perfect. He came from heaven, lived a perfect, sinless life. He is now seated at the right hand of the Father, and he is still breathing life into his children. Amen. Amen. I know it can be repetitive to celebrate Easter. You may think, you know, we, this is, how can we pick this event? Because our whole faith hinges on this. If the resurrection didn't happen, then we are lost and we're going to stay lost. But we know that he is risen. It's been a, uh, just an amazing journey um, here at Kingdom. If you're the first time here with us, our vision is know Jesus, hear his voice, and follow him. We believe that everyone can hear God's voice. This is something that is, it's just been an amazing thing. The Lord gave us this vision at the very beginning of Kingdom, August 2018. And he's had us just focus on this. Know Jesus, don't just know about him. It's easy to learn stories about Jesus. You can go to YouTube, you can go to a church service and learn stories about Jesus. But it's a very different thing to, in, to be introduced to him. Learning to hear his voice. How many of you know that God can speak to you? More than that, how many of you know God wants to speak to you? We believe that everyone can hear God's voice, even children. We've had, I've heard stories the last few weeks about our kids talking about how the God spoke to them. And God told them that what they were, they were disrespecting mom and, mommy and daddy and they, got to, they had to apologize. How many of you know that's God speaking to our kids? God can speak to all of us. And we believe here that it's our job to teach people to hear God's voice and, of course, to follow him. It's not enough just to know him, hear his voice. You've got to learn to obey him. And so it's, it's an amazing thing, and we're, we're thankful that you're here today. Um, this morning is going to be a little bit different. This message is not a typical Easter message. And I knew it was going to be difficult, but once I gave it in the first service, I realized just how difficult it was. But the Lord has been speaking to our church the last few months about one issue or topic or theme, if you will, and that's His presence, God's presence. How many of y'all know that God is in the room? 
Last year, we actually spent a whole series on this called Stewarding His Presence. We talked about how we can steward God's presence in our personal lives, in our homes, in our minds, in our hearts, with our, you know, with our jobs, with, with our finances, all these different things. Talked about how we can steward His presence. And it's amazing how you can go through a whole series on the presence of God and still uh, get the type of clarity like I feel like we've gotten the last few months to where it seems like you never talk, you haven't even talked about it before, and as I was uh, as I as I was kind of getting ready for this week and even the past few weeks, a question I've been asking myself is how can I steward God's presence? How can we better honor His presence when we come together? How can I better honor God's presence in my life? First Corinthians three sixteen says this: Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in you? Just in case. You're still doubting. How many of you have given your life to Jesus? You've put your faith in him? Okay. Anyone who puts their faith in Jesus becomes a house for God. I don't know if you, under, if you, if you caught that. God, if you are a believer, God lives on the inside of you. If he lives on the inside of you, how important do you think it is to learn how to honor him? with what you say, with what you think, with what you feel. What happens if we don't honor God's presence? Look at the next verse, verse 17. If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy and you are that temple. It becomes very important that we learn how to honor God's presence in our lives. So for the next few minutes, and it's really just a few minutes, I want to talk about honoring Jesus' presence. So if you would, you just bow your heads with me. We're going to ask the Holy Spirit to open up our ears and our eyes to hear clearly what he is saying to us. Jesus, I just thank you for today. I thank you for this amazing opportunity. We sang about it. We've talked about it. But I thank you, God, that we're able to come together and honor your presence. Father, we just pray right now. Maybe the Lord's already convicting you. You need to repent right now. Say, Father, please forgive me for not honoring your presence. I have only thought about you whenever I'm at church, whenever I'm praying for my food. Father, please forgive me. I want to honor your presence. And just say, Father, would you open up my ears to hear what you want to say? Help me to see clearly what I need to see. If there's anything that I need to move around in my heart, in my mind, and Father, I want, I want you to do it because I want more of your presence in my life. I don't want to have to work um, with my own ability. I want to trust in you that your provision for me when I honor you is enough for me and my family. In Jesus' name, amen. So as I've been contemplating this, this topic, I, uh, I've realized something, especially about honoring his presence or when it comes to this idea of honoring his presence when we're together. And the Lord put a burden on my heart. And this is not a typical Easter message. And it's a strong, it's a strong message. I was gonna, and I said in the first service, get ready, but we already prayed, so we're ready. This is on the screen. But this is the, what the Lord, I feel like, has been convicting me of. The modern church has made today's church experience mostly about people Instead of Jesus. It's mostly about people. And this is something that we have been guilty of in the past in certain areas. 
we will walk, and I'm talking, I'm including myself, we will walk into church caring more about what we feel, how we're going to be ministered to, how we're going to feel walking out, than about how God feels. Check this out. We walk into God's church. This is God's church. And the building's not God's church. We're, the God, we're God's church. We individually are the house of God, but also corporately when we come together, we're the house of God. We walk into God's church with our opinions, our agendas, our expectations. This is God's house. We walk in thinking, and you may not say this out loud, but you maybe think, I hope they play that song that's really popular right now. That song I've been listening to on YouTube or on Spotify, Apple Music, I hope they play it. I hope they don't play this song. Man, that's an old song. We, we sang that five years ago, ten years ago. I hope the pastor doesn't preach too long. He knows I got lunch after this. I got the rest of the day to get ready for. I hope they don't pick on me because my kid's crying. I hope they just leave him in there. He'll be okay. I hope service doesn't go longer than an hour. You know, I got things to do. We, listen, we walk into God's house with our expectations, our agenda. And on, if we're honest, we say, this is, if we're truly honest, this is what we're telling ourselves. How can God and the church help me? What does God say? Look at Matthew 22, verse 36. Somebody asked Jesus a question. They said, teacher, which is the great commandment of all? They were trying to trap him as, a, uh, as kind of was their custom when Jesus was around. They said, teacher, which is the great commandment of all? And he said to them, him, this is the first commandment. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And a second is like it. It's similar. Not quite the same, but it's very similar. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. What is Jesus saying? He's saying, if you will keep these two commandments, to love God and love people, you won't have to worry about studying the Old Testament and, and, and studying the law and making sure you're not, uh, you're not violating this commandment or that commandment. He said, if you will love me, put me first, and then love people, then you'll fulfill my commandment. Because when you love somebody, you don't lie to them. When you love somebody, you don't take advantage of them. When you love somebody, you put their needs above your needs. This is how we fulfill the law. Now I want to ask you another question. Which of those two commandments talked, mentioned loving yourself? Let's read it again. Verse 37. This is the first great commandment. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your mind. Okay, is, are we in this, in this verse does it say, okay, love yourself in this verse? No? no? Yes or no? no? Okay, just make sure we're all clear. Verse 39, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Does it say love yourself? Oh, as yourself. Oh, okay, somebody like, oh, it says yourself in there. But it says to love your neighbor. Love God and love others. Listen, it's not in there. It's not in there, but we act like it's a commandment. This is the world's mantra. I hope, I hope somebody's listening. This is the world's mantra. Love yourself. Whatever you're feeling, do it. Go for it. You know yourself better than anybody. 
And don't you dare let somebody tell you what to do or even interpret your feelings. Those are your feelings. You don't, they don't, nobody knows what you're feeling. Follow your dreams. Follow your feelings. That is the biggest lie. Listen, the biggest lie the enemy is feeding us today. Follow your heart. Can I just say something very lovingly? And this is going to help somebody a lot. You do not have the capacity to love yourself the way that you need. You do not have the capacity. You do not have enough information in your head. You do not, you're not that in touch with your heart and your emotions to know what you need. You do not know what you need. But there is someone who knows what you need. Now, if God wasn't real, sure, then you live with yourself. You live with your emotions. You live with your thoughts. Then, okay, then you would be the authority for your life. But there is someone who created you fearfully and wonderfully are we made. And he loves you more than you love yourself. We're not created to love ourselves. We're not created to go after our dreams and our desires. Let me ask you this question. Did Jesus love himself? You're not going to find a verse where it says Jesus loved himself. Actually, you'll find the opposite. You'll find where he loved the Father, obeyed the Father, and then he spent his entire life loving others. Jesus didn't make his life about his pleasure or his comfort, self-love. That's what that is. When you're living your life, making sure you're comfortable or that you have pleasure and that you have joy and all these things, that is self-love. You're loving yourself. He made his life about serving and honoring the Father's will. That's self-sacrifice. He spent his life honoring the Father's will, sacrificing himself. And as believers, we're called to follow this example. Now, why, did, why do we follow his example? Because Jesus knew a kingdom principle that is true for everybody. Look at Matthew 16, 24. It says this, Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, self-sacrifice, and take up his cross and follow me. Stay right there. If anyone would come after him, he's saying, if anyone is going to follow me in this life, let him lay aside his life, let him lay aside his dreams, his hopes, take up his cross. And a cross, we know that Jesus died on a cross. The cross was um, one of the most horrible instruments of torture and death. It didn't kill somebody right away. It tortured them uh, don't have time to go into it, but it tortured somebody slowly. And as time went on, it became more and more painful until finally they suffocated. He says, take up this cross because you're going to need this cross to crucify your flesh every day. How many of y'all, this is why we need a cross. I preached about this a couple, maybe a couple months ago. We need a cross because a cross puts, us, puts our flesh to death. He says, take up your cross and follow me. Verse 25, for if anyone, whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. See, Jesus knew this principle. The reason why he didn't love himself. And again, if there was anyone who was qualified, had the right to love himself, it was Jesus. He was perfect. He was the son of God, is the son of God, the second person in the Trinity. He, he had every right to love himself. But he knew this principle. He knew this truth. That if you fight for your life, if you try to preserve your life, if you try to go after what you want or what you think is best for your life, you're going to lose it. But if you will willingly sacrifice and give up your life, you'll find it. Many of us are searching for peace, searching for joy, or searching for, for fulfillment, which is why the world says, follow your heart, follow, because you'll find your fulfillment, you'll find your peace. No one can be your peace except Jesus. 
No one can be your joy. Nothing can be your joy except Jesus. See, Jesus knew this, and this is why he laid down his life. And this is, this is, this is what's amazing is Jesus knew that his part was laying down his life. And then he knew it was the Father's part to raise up his life. I hope somebody gets this. It was Je- Jesus' job or part was to lay down his life and, self- and serve others. It was the Father's part to raise up his life. Our part is learning to die to ourselves. It is Jesus' part is empowering us with his life. Our part is blessing God and blessing others. Jesus' part is blessing us. Let me ask you this. Who would you rather bless your life? Your own hands and your own intelligence or God? You can live with your blessing or you can live with God's blessing. This is why some of us get so frustrated with life because we're living in our own blessing. It's not, it's not that good. It's not that attractive. It's not that pretty. Jesus honored the Father's presence, his relationship with him by putting the Father's will above his will. This is how we honor God's presence in his life. And likewise, we honor Jesus' presence by putting his will above our own. I want to ask you this question. Who are you honoring today? Are you honoring your ideas? Are you honoring your opinion? Are you honoring your dreams, your goals? Here's a quick test to know who you're honoring, who you think about the most. Do you think about what you want out of this life, or do you think most about what God wants for you in this life? Who are you honoring? I know this is a tough message. This is not a happy Easter message, but I, I just really have this burden. Most people come to church on Easter weekend, and I just felt, the, felt like God said, this is the time. I'm setting my church in order. Church has to be about his presence. It can't be about what you want. It can't be what I, about, trust me, I have a lot of ideas of how I thought kingdom should have grown. And, and thank God he didn't listen to me because it's become much better than what I would have wanted. As I've been contemplating this idea of honoring God's presence, I, I've, I've been asking myself, as a leader, I'm the lead pastor here for those who don't know. I've been asking myself, have I been honoring God's presence or have I been entertaining people? What do you mean, entertaining people? What do you mean, honor? Well, we entertain people when we care more about what they think than what God thinks. And we honor God when we care more about what He thinks than what people think. What are some ways we entertain people? To be very, just, I mean, I could, I could look around the room. We have certain lights. I know right now, the modern church, the right lighting is really important. If you're a growing and thriving church, then the lighting is right. The, whenever the worship's on, the, the lights are down, and then we have these cool, like, string lights, and we have um, screens and all the, okay, we got to make sure the lighting is right, because otherwise people won't be able to get into the presence of God. I got to make sure that I have people at the front door and then at these doors right here to greet people in, because if they don't feel welcome, then maybe they'll leave. I gotta make sure I have enough classrooms open. I gotta make sure that, that the kids have the right toys and that we have these different things so that people feel welcome. Now, let me tell you, this stuff isn't bad. You can make one decision for two different reasons. I think this, the lights and, and the greeters, all that is good. And I believe those are strategies, but are we doing it because God is asking us to do it? Or are we doing it so we can keep people in because we're scared they may leave if we don't have those things? 
I know you weren't expecting this sermon this morning. I wasn't expecting to give it. The, one of the fears that, I've, that, that the enemy has tried to put in my, in my heart, in my mind, is, well, what if people leave? And, okay, Josh, you're saying you want to start honoring God. Well, what if you start, what if you just decide, what if I tell you, I don't want the lights off during worship. We're going to keep the lights on like this during worship. And what if people don't like it? And what if people say, I don't feel comfortable because people can look at me? Then I have to ask myself this question. Am I here to make sure people feel welcome or am I here to honor God? Look, we have this platform up here and it has to be this way. This is the only way that we can have a lot of people in the auditorium, but Unfortunately, a lot of people call this a stage and not a platform. Platform is, an, is a place where you have a space to share or communicate a news. A stage is where you perform. And many times we walk into church thinking that this is a stage where people are performing for us. And if the song's not right, if the music's too loud, if the music's too soft, if it's the wrong song, then, oh, then, then I didn't feel gotten. This is not about you. This is God's house. When we walk in, we walk in saying, God, what do you want from me? How can I serve and honor you? See, this is the issue. How come the modern church has stopped focusing on people? Has, start, sorry, has started focusing on people because the modern church has lost the power of God? How come the, we have lost the power of God? Because we, we got comfortable and stopped honoring God's presence. So what have we done to get people back into the building, we've had to create man-made ways to get people in. Make sure there's coffee. Make sure it's hot. Make sure there's water. Make sure there's the right merch. Make sure this and that. We fill in the blank. I'm about to step on some toes, but why do you think most churches have Easter egg hunts on Easter? I'm not against Easter egg hunts. We did, we've done it many years. How come do you think they have them? It's because it's a way to draw people in. What about an Easter I'm just speaking I'm just speaking plainly now. But what about an Easter egg hunt communicates that Jesus rose from the dead? It's a man-made way to get people to come to church. Now, I'm not against it. We and I believe in the future we will have Easter egg hunts, but we're not going to do it just so we can get people in. We're going to do it because God is saying, "Here's a strategy that I'm giving you. This year you can do this." I'm telling you, you can, you, can, you can say the same thing or do the same thing for two different reasons. You see, when we make church about people, then we give them space to get offended because if things don't happen their way, then they leave. This is not about you. It's not about you. It's not about me. I've already mentioned Easter is pretty important. Many of us are here as guests and visitors. I'm sorry, well... Can't apologize. You're here as guests and visitors because it's the biggest weekend of the year. Um, I was, I was, uh, this was in between services last weekend, but it, just, it was so random. But I was, I went to the bathroom, and as I was in the bathroom, I had this random thought just come to me: What if the speakers stop working on Easter? Or what if, you know, we have tracking that we have with the instruments. What if the tracking doesn't work? And I started to worry about it. And then the Lord got me. He said, how come you're worrying about it? Are you worrying about it because of what I might think or because of what the people might think? And I said, Lord, 
I don't think you really, as long as we're doing our best, I don't really think you care what it sounds like. As long as it's our best, I'm worrying about it because of what people think. As I said, Easter is the biggest weekend of the year. And I, th- I thought, why is, it, um, why is it the biggest weekend? Why do we prepare for it bigger than any other weekend? And then I had this thought, wasn't God here last week? Wasn't here last month? Wasn't, isn't he going to be here next week? So why are we putting more energy in this weekend than other weekends? And he said it's because you know more people are going to be here than other weekends. Meaning you, you're, you're putting more energy because you're trying to reach them. You're trying to entertain them more than you're entertaining me. The reason, why, the reason why churches go harder than any other weekend on Easter weekend is because it's the best man-made way to get people through the door. It's man-made I'm thankful that you're here. I'm not, trust me, I'm thankful that you're here, and this is not easy to give. But God is, wants to bring his church back to a place where we honor him all the time. Not just because it's Easter, not just because it's Christmas, not just because we're about to eat and we need to pray, not just be, fill in the blank, not just because of whatever. God is wanting his church to come to a place where we honor him in everything. I want to ask you a question. Who are you honoring today? Are you honoring God? Are you honoring what is comfortable to you? I asked this question earlier, but how many believe Jesus is in the room? Here's another question. How many believe that there are angels in the room? Angels are real, right? Yeah, there's a really good chance there are angels in the room. Guess what? There's, there are all, there's also a good chance there are demons in the room. Very good chance there are demons in the room. How much more the King of Kings? He is in the room. If we walk, amen. <laughs> watch this, watch this. Imagine Jesus in the flesh walked on this stage. Would you care about your feelings anymore? You'd forget about it. What if we learned to walk into church whenever we walked in with the understanding that Jesus was in the room? I think it would change everything. We wouldn't care what he asked us to do because we knew our Lord was standing in front of us. How can we honor him? Well, when we come together as, a, as the body of Christ, we walk in saying, Lord, not what I can get out of this, not what is comfortable to me, but Lord, how, how can I serve you? How can I serve you? How can I serve your people? How can I make a place that is comfortable to you? And then as we leave here, because this, this is the only place we're at during the week, at our jobs, how can I serve my boss? Even my boss that's taken advantage of me, he's not paid me, he's not done this or that, how can I serve my coworkers? How can I serve the people around me? When we do that, we honor his presence. Last thing I want to say is we can, on, we can have as much of God's presence in our lives as we want. There are some areas in our life where we're surrendered that we honor, and there's some that we're not. You may do really good in honoring the Lord with your finances. Maybe you tithe and you give and you're honoring him. But with your time, you let your time go to social media, go to YouTube, go to these things, and you're not honoring him. The way we can honor the Lord more in our life is by asking him, Lord, would you reveal any area in my life that I can surrender more to you? 
When we do that, we'll have more of his presence. This is how Jesus was able to perform so many miracles, is because he was completely surrendered to the Father. He didn't live for himself one moment. He, compl- he perfectly obeyed the Father. And because he perfectly obeyed the Father in every area of his life, he had a relationship with the Father like no one has ever had. The Father freely, clearly spoke to him. He said, go heal that person. Go pray for that person. Hey, that person is having these thoughts in their head. I want you to tell them what they're thinking, and then I want you to pray for them, and I want you to heal them. When we learn to surrender to the Lord, we'll experience his presence like we never have before, and we'll see his power in our life. Amen.